in church, if you're not already standing, won't you please stand with us so we can worship the living King, God Almighty. There are so many things to be thankful for this morning, but none of them compare to what Christ has done for us. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead.
Sunday of every month we celebrate congregational communion. If you came in this morning and didn't get uh, the elements on your way in and would like to participate, just raise your hand and our ushers will bring one to you. We celebrate a believer's communion at New Covenant, which just means if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to participate in communion with us this morning. And if you're joining us online, uh, you can get the elements that are at home and also join with us as we take communion. In Matthew 26, verse 26 through 29, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. As they were eating the Passover meal, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Father, we bless this bread as Jesus did. We give thanks for this bread that you have given us. Lord, we give you thanks for the broken body of Jesus Christ that he sacrificed for us, Lord. And we take it together as the body of Christ in unity today, participating not only with this part of the body, but the whole body all over this world that is taking communion this morning. We participate in this covenant put in place by your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You can open the bread and take it. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Father, we thank you for this cup, and we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross for the forgiveness of sins for many, Lord. Father, we receive that sacrifice this morning. We uh, confess our sins this morning, Lord. Father God, again, we do it together in unity as we celebrate not just his life and death, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, you may take the cup. And then Jesus said, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That part of the ver- the passage stood out to me this week like I never had before. There is a hope in this passage, a hope in communion. We don't just celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus made and his life and death and resurrection. Jesus said here, he took it with the disciples and he said, I will take it again with you, but it's going to be with the entire body of Christ. All those that have gone before, even before the disciples, all those that have gone before us, every believer alive today, every believer that will come after us, we will all take it at the same time again with Jesus Christ himself. Father God, we thank you for the promise, for the covenant made with us in communion by Jesus Christ. Lord, we look forward with hope and excitement, knowing, Lord, that there is a life eternal and that in the kingdom of heaven, we will be part of that body, taking communion with Jesus Christ again when he takes it again. And we give you all glory and honor and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Join us again as we go into worship.
whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for me. in 
again, God. morning church this is your first time visiting with us in person or online welcome we're so glad that you've decided to worship with us today at new covenant church we invite all people in the communities where we live to know hear and respond to jesus christ you can learn more about ncc become part of our church family or join our volunteer team by going through our connect class online or attending one of the upcoming in-person classes if you would like to bless what god is doing through the ministries at ncc with your tithes and offerings you can use the offering boxes or give online at newcovenantlampasses.com. If you have any questions about what's going on at NCC or want more information on how to get connected, please stop by the hub desk after the service. Again, we are so glad you're here with us this morning. Now let's open and prepare our hearts for the word. Good to see you here this morning. Welcome. Welcome. If you're the first time with us today, we are so excited to have you. You have blessed us just by being here already. And we want to welcome those of you that are watching online. And we say thank you for joining us. And we're excited about what God is doing at New Covenant Church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let me make one announcement. Uh, Many of you know what's going on. Well, all of us know what's going on in Israel right now. And uh, those things that are taking place, we don't know what the the next few uh, days, even hours might entail, but we want to continue to pray. Tomorrow night, Monday evening from 5 to 6, tomorrow night right in here, Evan Lecker will be leading a time of prayer for Israel. 
here in the worship center, and we invite you to come and pray for Israel and the war against the Hamas. And so we just invite you. But I hope that we're all praying. God has given me a psalm that, that I'm praying right now, and I want to I share it. I want you to join me as I read this psalm, and then I want us to pray for Israel this morning. Would that be all right with you? It's Psalm 83, and I hope that you will pray this also as you do this week. It says, Psalms 83, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They've taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have come and said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. And then verse 13, O God, make them like the whirling dust, like the shaft before the wind. And the fire burns the, as the fire burns the woods, and as the flame sets the mountains on fire, so pursue them with your tempest, and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame, that, that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish, that they may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the Most High over the earth, over all the earth. Lord, we ask you this morning to protect and redeem Israel and your people around the world. We ask that you would make your name known in the earth. We pray this, not in our name or even for the favor in battle, but for your name's sake, that you would be lifted up and the whole world would see who you are and who your people are. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen and amen. Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 22. 2 Kings chapter 22. It's just the right of 1 Kings. You'll get that in a minute. If you open your Bible right in the middle and take a little bit of left, you'll get there. Okay? Or if you'll dial up the number on your iPhone, that's probably what happens. A few weeks back... Uh, I received a word as I was coming to church to preach, in fact. I received a word for our young people about being a Josiah generation. And I've been studying that ever since. And so today, I'm going to do something, something different for me. I'm going to be speaking to a specific generation. The word will apply to all of us, as it always does. But I, I want to speak to the young people. I have a challenge, a call, a word for this generation. If you were born after two th or in 2001 or later, would you stand? If your birthday comes after 2001, stand up. I want our congregation to see how many of you they are. Let's give these a clap, please. Yeah. All right, you may be seated. I know you, that embarrasses you to point you out. I understand. But let me just tell you, you are a chosen generation. You are living in a time of incredible warfare, spiritual warfare. The spiritual warfare of our time is ramped up like 
like I've never seen it before. The enemy is out to corrupt, control, deceive, and destroy this generation. You're the most murdered generation in history. Think about that. The warfare against you is on a whole new level. I believe that God has made you one of the most brilliant generations, and at the same time, you've become the most distracted generation. Social media, technology, entertainment has, has shifted dramatically and dr dynamically in your generation. The warfare against you is on a whole new level. When I was your age, we had AM radio and black and white TV and only three channels. Something you probably have never heard of, TV went off at night. I mean, after 12 o'clock, you got a little bit of uh, hum, and then it went to snow, and you don't even know what snow is on the TV. <laughs> and there was no remote controls. Yeah. And, and for that generation, you don't even know what I'm talking about. That tells you how old I am. But I once was young. And like David... Once was young, but now I'm old, but I've not seen his people forsaken or his people begging bread. You are constantly bombarded with information, noise, videos. The greatest attack on your generation right now is the, is the attack on identity. Until you know who you are, who you were created to be, you will not be able to function at the mass, maximum capacity that God created for you. This is the same attack that Satan used with Jesus after he'd been baptized, led in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It's funny to me, the devil said to this, said this to Jesus, if you are the son of God, if. Now he had just been baptized and a voice, a heaven opened up and a voice from heaven cried out, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And now the devil is challenging the heaven's declaration. And let me tell you, the devil's challenging the declaration of God over your lives right now. And you've got to understand that. The devil is trying to confuse and challenge your generation as to your identity. Do you know who you are? Don't get your identity from the world. Don't, don't get it from your peers. Don't get it from, from news or, or Snapchat or, or anywhere else. Don't get your identity except from the one who created you, who loves you so much that he gave his best, Jesus, that you might be altogether his. He has the best life planned for you and your generation. If you don't know who you are, let me tell you, the devil will do everything he can to define you. He'll define you for you. What defines you is not the one who what defines you is not the world, but the one who made you and gave his son for you that he might give his life to you. And if you know Jesus, the devil can read the story of your past, but he can't write the story of your future. Your story is wrapped up in Jesus and his plans for you. The world right now is looking at your generation and projecting that yours will be the first generation that more people will forsake the faith than keep the faith. The world is projecting that fewer will believe in God than those 
Fewer will believe in God than those who don't believe. But I don't agree with the world's projections. Because I know a God who has a trajectory for this generation that's literally out of this world. You're living in a time of war, spiritually and physically. And as I was preparing this message and looking at it, the God, and seeing what's going on in our world today, it reminded me of Matthew 24. And I think Jesus said something in Matthew 24 that your generation needs to hear. Matthew 24, 4 says, Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. And then in verse 6 it says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. I'm, I'm sure that this generation is looking at this world and probably wondering if this whole thing is going to fall apart like all the doomsayers are saying. I believe I have a word for you this morning, for your generation. Not yet. Not yet. There's a future and a hope for you. I think you are the, maybe the last generation that gets to stand up and say to the enemy, not yet. We're still here. And we've got something to say. We've got something to do. Not yet. You're living in a not yet generation. God writes the end of the story, not the world and not the enemy. I believe you are a Josiah generation. So 2 Kings chapter 22 verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 22 verse 1. Who is this Josiah? Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidiah, the, the daughter of Adiah, that name, and of Bozkarth. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and he walked in the ways of his father David, and he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Now think about this. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Equivalent to a third grader. Still picking boogers. <laughs> and he's king. He's king. He's not king by choice, by his choice, but by the purposes of God. He became king after two generations of great evil and rejection of God. This generation that I'm talking to, we live in times that aren't too different from that of Josiah. Parents and grandparents both did evil in the sight of the Lord. But his parents and his grandparents didn't define his journey. said he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and he walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn to the right or the left. David wasn't actually his father. Ammon was his father. But he used this to, to signify that he was part of David's legacy. You see, David was a king after God's own heart. He was a worshiper and a warrior. Josiah was being positioned to rekindle the fire of what God intended to be on the throne of God's people. I don't know if Josiah understood the why, but he was different. I say to this generation, if you feel different, it may be because God has better things for you. 
I know when I was growing up, I wondered why I didn't get to do what everybody else got to do. If you ever felt like you, you may be being kept from something, from those things everybody else is getting to do, or let me say it probably in a better way, you're being kept from everybody else, what everybody else gets to get away with. Have you ever considered that you may be being kept from something because you're being kept for something? So much greater. So let's look at Josiah, eight-year-old. Second Chronicles 34 and 35 tell the same story. In verse 3 of chapter 34, it records this. For in the eighth year of his reign, now this would have meant eight and eight is 16. So in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, say that with me, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. At 16, while he was still young, he started seeking the God of David for himself. Listen to me, and I'm talking to those born after 2001. You do not have to wait until you're 40 to know what God wants for you. You can know for yourself. At 12, you can make personal decisions that will set you on a trajectory for your life. He wasn't seeking his daddy's God or his granddaddy's God. He found God for himself. He started seeking Jeremiah 29, 13, and 14 is a promise to us all. In the message translation, it says, When you come looking for me, God says, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I will make sure you won't be disappointed. He set his heart to seek the Lord. He set his heart to know God for himself. Second thing is, he recovered and discovered the Word of God. Back to 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 8. Josiah is in the process of having, restoring the temple or repairing the temple. It had been left to waste. And in verse 8, it says, Then Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. And he read it, verse 10. Then Shaphan, the scribe, showed the book to the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened when the king, Josiah, heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. In verse 13, he says, Go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. He recovered and discovered for himself the word of God. Probably the book of Deuteronomy. It was a message of God's dealing with His chosen people. Josiah took the word seriously and he took it personally. You see, the book of Deuteronomy not only told of the promise of the people's future from God, but also the judgment of their future if they didn't follow Him, if they rejected Him, if they walked in their own ways or after the gods of this world. 
And when Josiah heard the words, not only just of the promises, but of the judgments that was going to be coming against his people, he tore his clothes. That, that is just a symbol of awe and horror. And I want to tell you something. We're living in a day when God's word is being challenged. You see, Josiah could say, how did we know that this is true? Josiah took the word of the Lord as the word of the Lord. There's plenty of people challenging, doubting, and denying the word of God as it has been preserved for us. All those words of everybody that's against the word of God will one day pass away because not one jot or tittle of this word will ever pass away until it's completely fulfilled. Rediscover the word for yourself. Josiah didn't just receive the word. He sought to know it for himself and for the good of his people. Don't let anyone rob you of the life and the power that are in the word of God. You say, well, I don't understand it. I'm, not, I'm too young to understand it. That's a bunch of bunk. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. And let me tell you, he's the best teacher you can have. And when you read the word... You let the Holy Spirit tell you, teach you. Josiah sought to know it for himself. The word that Josiah received was not just the promises, but also what's going to happen if we reject God. Folks, listen to me. 9-11 gave us a wake-up call, didn't it? We woke up for about two weeks. And it looks like we've just drifted back to sleep. And I'm praying that there's going to be a generation that rises up and seeks God for themselves again. And hears God for themselves again and takes it personal and takes it powerfully real in their lives. He sought out a prophetess, Josiah did, Huldah, to see what the word of the Lord means. And her response is in verses 15 through 17, which basically said this, Judgment was coming because it was deserved and it had already been planned. God has said, enough is enough. Folks, unless, uh, unless America changes her way, let me just say, God's going to one day say, enough is enough. I don't, I, you may not like to hear that, but I'd rather warn you now than after you hear it when God says it. We live in a generation that has incredible promises of God but we also have a perspective that God is telling us we better wake up to. That's for the old people. The young people have an opportunity. Young people don't have to live in our past. They can live in their future. Her response in verses 15 to 17 says judgment's coming, but Josiah receives a personal word in that prophetic word. And it's found in verse 19. And Josiah, here's what the prophetess said to Josiah. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse, and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you. Listen to me. You're a generation... That if you will be tender and stay tender before the Lord, not only will the Lord hear you, He will answer your prayers. 
Surely, therefore, I'll gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I'll bring on this place. So they brought back the word to the king. Hezekiah set his heart to seek the Lord. He reco- Hezekiah, Josiah, set his heart to seek the Lord. He recovered and discovered the word of God for himself. And number three, he took personal responsibility for the word. How easy it would have been now that he had got a prophetic word. How easy it would have been for Josiah to hear the judgment that was coming and to sit down and have a pity party. Or to blame the generations before him. Or to rejoice like Hezekiah did when he heard that it wasn't going to happen in his lifetime. Hezekiah said, well, judgment won't be, it's not going to affect me. I guess it sucks to be you. Josiah didn't do any of those things. He didn't have a pity party. He didn't blame the generations that had gone before him. He didn't sit down and say, well, at least it's not going to happen to me. Josiah took personal responsibility with the word he heard. He took the word personally and then took personal responsibility for the word. You want a definition in our day for holiness? It's always been, but I'm going to give you a definition for holiness. Holiness is taking personal responsibility for the Word of God. Holiness is taking personal responsibility with what God's saying. Nothing honors God like taking Him at His Word. In chapter 23, Josiah gathers all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem and he goes up to the temple and he personally stands by a pillar and he reads in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which he had found. And in verse 3 of that chapter, chapter 23, it says, And he made covenant before the Lord to follow him and to keep his commandments and the word with all of his heart, with all of his soul, to perform the words written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. You see, this wasn't just words to Josiah. It wasn't a history lesson. He began to take action. He cleans up the temple. But there's one thing I'm leaving out here. You realize when Josiah stood up and read the words to the people and he makes a covenant with God to keep it with all of his heart and his soul and his life... It says all the people stood up for the covenant too. You never know what you're standing up for the word of God will do in the lives of others, maybe all the people, when you take a stand with what God is saying. All the people stood up for the covenant. And then he takes action. He cleanses up the temple. Verse chapter 23 and 24 talks about he removes the idolatrous priest. He brings out the Canaanite wooden image that had been placed in the temple. And he burns it. He tears down the ritual booths for the perverted people who were in the house of the Lord. In other words, he removed everything that was an offense and an abomination to the Lord God. In other words, he kept the word for his nation. And it talks about he burned bones on, he, he, he dug up bones and burned them and put them back. 
I mean, he just said everything that's standing in the way of us being what God intends for us to be, we're going to move it aside. We're going to get rid of it. You never know what a generation can do when they stand up for the Word of God. He took personal responsibility. He even kept the Passover first time. Listen to me. We just did the Lord's Supper. The Passover meal was what they were eating when Jesus incorporated what we call the Lord's Supper. The Passover meal was the the testimony of how God saved His people from slavery, from sin, from everything, and made them a people of His own. He led them out of Egypt to become, in His promise, His promised people. You've got to understand, that had not been kept since the time of the judges, since the time of Samuel. Hundreds of years they had not kept it. Hezekiah tried to keep it, but he didn't keep it the way Josiah kept it because Josiah kept it according to as it was written. He kept the Word. He didn't install something new. It wasn't a new cart that he was trying to get God's presence. He went back to what God said and he stood up and did what God said. And for the first time for hundreds of years, the people of Israel celebrated the testimony of their freedom in God. All of this, he changed, literally brought about an awakening and a renewal in the nation of Israel all the years that he reigned. You say, well, preacher, that's history. Well, Corinthians tells us what was written before was written for our learning. I believe this generation, I believe you can be a Josiah generation that can wake up to the truth of God and bring a measure of awakening and revival, maybe the one last revival before the time of judgment. You can be the generation that stands before the enemies of God and says, not yet. Not yet. There's three characteristics of this generation that I'm talking about. Number one, they're righteous. They're right with God. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard the word, I've heard you. You don't stand right before God because of your goodness or because you were born in a certain year. You stand right before God because Jesus died for your sins. Because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you and His resurrection makes you right with God. Do you know God for yourself? You don't know God. Listen, you don't need to know God like your mama does and like your daddy knows. You need to know God for yourself. Know that you have a righteousness that's blood-bought, paid for, and nothing can ever separate you from that. The second thing is, you are a restless generation, and I think God put that in you. It's not enough to know that God is being dishonored and discounted. You're looking for something real. You're looking for something authentic. You're looking for something that'll last, something that means something, something that'll accomplish something. I understand that. And you don't want it to just be words. It must be that words can be challenged and changed, but you, this Josiah generation is going to take the Word of God seriously and personally, and it doesn't matter if it's popular or applauded. It's right. And you are right when you spread it. And you have the technology now that you can literally, on the phone your parents gave you, 
preach the gospel to the entire world. You can say what the Word of God says. You can say what you say that the Word of God says, what He's shown you. And you can change a generation and in the palm of your hand. And then, righteous, restless, and relentless. You can't stop. You don't stop. Don't stop. Don't, you won't stop. You go after the Lord. He will hear you and He will deliver you. Now all of this is to say something to this generation. You see this Josiah that I'm talking about? That lived in this and, and literally brought renewal to his nation? 300 years before he was born. 300 years. It was prophesied that he would live and do what he did. 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 2. See, in the time when the, the Israel was divided, the divided kingdom, Jeroboam went up to Bethel and, and Dan, and he created a false temple. He created false altars and false sacrifices. And when he was doing that, and they were about to burn incense, a prophet cried out, 1 Kings 13, 2. O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priest of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. 300 years later, a baby was born, and Josiah was his name. And he lived it. You may be a third day generation. A thousand years is a day with the Lord. A day is a thousand years. You may be a third day generation that has been prophesied that there's going to be a latter rain, there's going to be a great revival before the end comes. All of these things. You may just be the generation. That God is preparing to take a stand for something that has not been stood for for hundreds of years. And it's been prophesied that there's going to come a generation that's going to lead a revival that will change our world. A Josiah generation. Behold a child, Josiah by name. I wonder if God has your name on his lips. Calling you to step up. Don't wait until you're 30. Don't wait until you're 40. Well, when I have kids, don't wait. Kids are mean. <laughs> Make those decisions now. Parents, you're raising a generation that might just change the world. Be careful. Be careful. The prophets are foretold a last revival. Yours may just be that generation. Let me leave you with a promise. I think a word from God for you. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 in the message. 
You are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work and to speak out for Him, to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Here's my question. Will you be a Josiah generation? I'm tempted to ask you all to stand again. But here's what I want to ask you. Is something standing up in you when you hear this? I'm not asking you to stand before people in a congregation. I'm asking you, is something standing up in you? Could I be one? Can I be the one who stands in the enemy's face and says, not yet, not with my generation? Will you seek the Lord for yourself? Will you hear His Word? Will you stand in personal responsibility to start with yourself to see that the truth of God is spread to your generation? Will you be a not yet generation? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. talking to this generation now but I'm really talking to all of us you have a supernatural touch of God that is so significant that no one else on this earth will ever be able to do what you can do you have a thumbprint that thumbprint has never been seen in the earth until you came along and it'll never be seen again after you leave we need you to leave your mark on this earth. Don't leave this world the way you found it. Seek the Lord for yourself. Stand up. Speak up. Break down strongholds. Declare the name of the Lord. Live an outrageously faith-filled life. We are in extreme times and this calls for extreme commitment. We don't need a casual, self-centered generation. We don't need a snack food generation that is not functioning in the power of the Word of the Lord that they were called to carry. We need you. We need you. Stand with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, let this be the generation that changes a nation. I pray for that generation that is amassed on the border of Gaza this morning. I pray that you would protect and you would let them be a generation that stands for God in their country. And I pray for a generation that will amass in every school and every place in this world, in America, that will stand up and be counted and hear the word of the Lord and Stay to the enemy of everything that is right and good. Not yet. Not yet. Lord, let them know who they are in you. And bless them today. In Jesus' name. Brandon's going to sing. We invite you to respond. If you want to take a stand, respond to what he's saying to you this morning. God bless you.
for this generation pray for an encounter with Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit pray that God would capture their hearts they would take a stand and they would be the people that God has intended they are your future they are our hope as we respond to God I believe God has sovereignly chosen a generation that will change our world let's support them Let's support them. God, make your name known in this generation. And may they know you powerfully and personally. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. If the people are ministering, you allow them the courtesy of ministry, would you?